Hey guys. Hey. It's Mel. <laughs> and you're Del. <laughs> right. And this is Crying, Crying Amazing, Amazing Crazy. I think I just want to first start out by reminding everyone that Mel and Del are very stable geniuses. Yes. So, like, bef- seriously. Just to clear it all up before we go any further, we are very stable geniuses. Also, like, really, really smart. Yeah. Yeah. Bigly. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. How are you? How's your weekend going? It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. I'm winding down. Seemed like you were partying last night a little bit. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> a trip to the brewery. Yeah, I was um, getting texts from Dell, and um, I was having a hard time <laughs> understanding what she was telling me. So, um, sorry about that. Yeah, it's okay. It's just I didn't know she was talking about the place that she was at because she didn't really mention that she was there. She was just like, "The four of us should go." <laughs> Pearl Jam on the juke. And you're like, what are you talking about? And then I realized she was at a brewery. I'm I'm there. I'm there. She was there live. One big announcement we wanted to make right off the bat is that we have a website. A beautiful website that Mel put together all by herself. During Christmas break. Yay. It's www.http colon slash slash (laughs) www.cryingamazingcrazy.com. And the reason why it's essential to your listening experience is because we have a section of our website called Episode Guide, and it's where Ooh. you can go and watch the music videos that we talk about at the end of every episode. Right. And it's also where you can get the links to any of our crying moments of the week, right. any articles we talk about, that kind of thing, for further reading or to just know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah. Like, I don't know what these <laughs> yeah. gals are up to. So. I need to see it to believe it. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yay. Thank you, Mel. Yeah. And oh, we forgot a cheers. Oh, right. Cheers. Cheers. Full yeah. disclaimer, I'm drinking water. Wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I forced Dell to get hipster coffee. Um, the most hipster. Yeah. Um, we recognized it right off the bat because there was two like hipster gypsies outside drinking their coffee. Yeah, and there was a free little library in the entrance. Of course there was. Um, The menu was very minimal. Very minimal. They don't even have decaf, guys. I had to get hot chocolate. But guess what? They have every kind of milk that you can imagine. Including oat milk, which I didn't even know was a thing. Oat milk. Yeah. Sounds gross. It's right on Figaro in Highland Park. And actually, Del... So did I tell you about the first time I went there and my experience? So this is a hipster coffee shop on Figaro in Highland Park. And I was treating myself over (laughs) winter break. I was doing a me time Mel day and I went to the the Hammer Museum to see the fantastic radical women of um, Latin American women exhibit. The exhibit featured a lot of bush. Bush. (laughs) So much bush. (laughs) And then afterwards, <laughs> that's not why I wanted coffee, but <laughs> this segue is horrible. Um, so anyways, I go to get coffee after I went to the museum and after seeing Bush all day while I'm parking <laughs> my car. <laughs> yeah. While I'm parking my car to go to this hipster coffee establishment in the heart of Highland Park, there was um, a woman that was just decided to pull her pants down and pee in somebody's yard. So Yay. I saw a real life bush. Nice. Take that, gentrifiers. Yeah. Bush 
in your face. Anyways. <laughs> That's But I didn't incredible. cry when I saw it. <laughs> but there has been times where, there have been times where Dell has cried in public. Yes. Many times, guys. Many and that's times. what we wanted to talk about today. So Del. that's our first, um, yeah, act today is all about crying in public. And I mentioned last week about the time I was walking home after a movie, watching Diving Bell and Butterfly. The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. It's a man, a French man, who's in a car accident, and it it traps his mind in sort of like a dead body, so he can only communicate through blinking. And he writes a fucking book via blinking on like how beautiful and wonderful life truly is. So that's very creative. That was like, yeah, that was the first um, time. And it's two story. That was the first, that was the first time <coughs> Del ever cried ever, ever in my whole life. And um, she was like, I'm, one day I'm going to start a podcast all about this moment. And I'm going to savor it. Anyway, that was something we talked about last week. So we're bringing it into this week. However, for this segment, most of my crying in public stories consists of me simultaneously peeing my pants in public. <laughs> I like it, I think. Tell so, me more. The first story, and they both happen, or all of them happened while I was in high school. So I had this problem with like laughing so hard that I would piss my pants. And Oh, that's why you wear diapers. Yeah. <laughs> Every time we record the podcast, she I'm just like, puts these like, depends Let me on. change, guys. Yeah. Let me get ready. So one of the times, my mom, my brother, and I were at Target looking at the camping gear, and they had, like, these bed rolls on a shelf that was kind of, like, like above your head. And my mom was crouching down below me looking at something else on a lower shelf, and I pulled one of the bed rolls down, and all of them, like, started falling on her head. And, like, I started laughing so hard, but she was really mad. And she, like, grabbed one of them and was like, how do you like it? And just started hitting me in the head with it. And I was laughing so hard, but, like, holding in my laugh because she was so mad that I pissed myself. Like, that's how it came out. (laughs) So Where were you at? In Target. In Target. And so... I immediately, like, from laughing, turned to crying. My mom was like, what's the matter? And I was like, I just peed my pants. So we had to, like, you know, find a sweatshirt, run out of Target because I had peed myself. So Oh, that's the classic move is the sweatshirt tied around the waist. Yeah, that's like a dead giveaway. Or that's like if you're like, I I don't know, like, did I start my period? Right, and you can't, like, be looking at your own crotch. Yeah. So it's like you just run to the bathroom with Mm -hmm. a Or you, like, sat on something. Right, right. Right. So that was the first time I cried slash peed in public. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the first se- time. <laughs> the first time. The second time was in AP history class in high school. I peed my pants in class. <laughs> I feel like. In class? in class? Oh my God. So we were watching. I'm like tearing up right now. We were watching um, some AP history documentary. Like it wasn't like. The teacher is lazy today and we're watching a movie. It was like some like serious like Holocaust, you know, skeleton body documentary. Like it was dead serious. And the teacher aide and my best friend Carrie were like outside of the classroom, but the classroom door was wide open. And they were outside of the door, but they had a rolling chair and they kept like sending each other past the doorway, but like on the chair, but like doing different poses. <laughs> and so I was trying to like keep it in. And then at one point, Carrie went flying and the chair like hit 
the dent in the sidewalk and it literally like launched her in the air like across the doorway. <laughs> and I couldn't like start busting up in class because it was like Holocaust so it's always movie. A <laughs> so I held it in again like this laugh and then I just started being myself. During and, a Holocaust yes, documentary. in class. And then I think I was just like crying tears of laughter, but... Thank God it was the 90s and all our clothes were so baggy. So I had like a flannel that I tied around you had my had multiple waist. layers, yeah. yeah. And then like every time this would happen, I would have to like go in the bathroom, strip down, like take off my underwear, throw them away and like try to clean myself up and like spray, you know, with like Bath and Body Mist cucumber melon, like oh spray the crotch of my giant fucking cords <laughs> and then um, go throughout my day because, you know... Both my parents worked, and there was no way they were, like, going to leave work because I pissed my pants <laughs> at school, <laughs> in high school. So um, those were two of them. And then I had this best friend. Every time I went to her house, every single time I would pee my pants again from laughing so hard. Oh, so, my like, gosh. You ev- have a problem. I did. I don't anymore. Did. I, I don't know. Therapy. Did you go yeah, to therapy? I did. The doctor was like, we must kill you from this pissing disease yeah so um i don't laugh and piss myself anymore instead i just laugh really loud and hard i guess it was just like those times where like you had to suppress it yeah except for at my friend's house like she was just fucking funny and would just make me pee myself so i hate that when you have to hold in your laughter i mean i hate it slash love it because yeah it's always it's so good it like makes you laugh harder because yeah. you have to contain it so i had a recently at, well, maybe not. Maybe two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. So at my work, we do a white elephant gift exchange. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of people interpret white elephant differently. Sure. And so... Mine are always really funny and tacky and people hate that. <gasps> yeah, I, I usually... I do that too. Like I buy yeah. a super, like I bought a DVD from Rite Aid that was like chick flicks nice. and it, like 10 chick flicks and they were like really weird all rated R like, chick flicks never heard of never them. heard of them but starring <laughs> A-list like what? Reese Witherspoon and stuff I feel like that's a dope gift yeah I know um Heather stole it she oh, kept nice. it so she got yeah. it yeah but um anyhow up, so <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so two years ago though I it was so embarrassing it was just like one of those things it's like if I'm tired I get like kind of loopy and giggly you know right so we were doing the white elephant gift exchange and I may have told you this before but so I work in a very diverse office Mm -hmm. there's you know there's a lot of women of different ethnicities Mm -hmm. and so okay so the gift that I opened and I had never heard of this before, mm. but it was um, African black soap shampoo. What? And I, which now I now know is like sort of a hippie thing, but oh, okay. I thought it was like ethnic hair oh, shampoo. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like such a white girl, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are quite mm. a few mm. um, African-American women at my work. So it would make sense to get something right, like that. Right, right. So I fucking lost it, and I could not stop <laughs> laughing. And how we do the gift exchange is, like, our CEO's oh, there. right. We're all in this big, like... Circle. No, we're in, like, this... We're in our conference room, so we're in, like, oh, this weird. big table. Everyone opens the gift one by one, so it's, like, everyone's watching you oh, open the gift. wow, And I opened it, and I, like, could not stop laughing. <laughs> Like, couldn't stop to the point where I had, like, tears streaming down my face. Yeah, yeah. And and then all, like, the women that were directly around me were, like, laughing hysterically, too. Yeah. I think they were just laughing at me. Right, laughing. Laughing yeah. at me because I was laughing so hard. Right, right. 
That's, that's good. so embarrassing. Yeah. So I don't have any sad ones of crying in public. I feel like all the sad ones would be at movies or I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, those I are think my... like the sad ones are a little too deep that I even want to go into yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. But the only thing I was thinking of was I cry a lot if I'm like really nervous. Oh. So if I'm if I'm doing like something that's like sort of public speaking and I'm I don't do this as much anymore, but sometimes I'll like tear up while I'm talking because I'm so nervous. Wow. Yeah. And that has mostly happened like when I've had to do speeches at weddings. Oh, like you're, are you really like emotional or you're just nervous? Not real. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, I don't I mean, I'm not really in that. I'm not really that way. So yeah, yeah. that's weird. Uh, But people, you can play it off like that. Like it's it's appropriate. Yes. Like, (laughs) Exactly. So every single time I've had to do a speech at a wedding, I've like cried. And it's, I think it's just been because Nerves. I've been really nervous oh, because so I don't know, it's like their day and I'm right. having to do this big speech or right, whatever. Right. But what we know and what we've talked about in the past is that, you know, crying is really related to anxiety. So right. it makes sense if I would cry when I'm nervous. And one thing that I know we've talked about also in our research, but I just want to underline it again, is that even if you feel, if you're having some sort of emotional moment and you need to cry and you're in a public space, it's not good to hold back those emotions because it takes energy to hold back your emotions. And what happens is you have to focus your energy specifically on trying not to cry. Or peeing your pants. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's going to mean like if you're, if you're crying because you're nervous or you're experiencing anxiety, it means that you're, um, you know, you're forced to dwell on the way you feel for longer, which mm-hmm. only serves to increase stress and anxiety. Interesting. Yeah. Which, like, will make you keep crying further. Exactly. So mm. what, what they say to do is if it's happening often, if you're, like, kind of, quote, unquote, a hysterical person, uh, right. uh, what you need to do is instead of trying to stop holding in your crying, uh, just let it out, let it out and then go to therapy and right. try to identify like what exactly is causing you anxiety and target that first rather than, right. rather than looking at it, like I need to stop crying so much. Look mm-hmm. at it as I need to figure out what's making me anxious and deal with, with that. It. So like for me, for example, public speaking has always been a scary thing, Yeah, which is funny because I work in communications. Right. I do it fine, but I do get a lot of inner anxiety yeah, yeah, over yeah. it. So for me, it's like dealing with that and figuring out that would help then versus right. trying being like, oh my God, I can't cry. Is that like, why like slapping someone works when someone says to hurtle? You just like, like slap throwing them in the water face. on them? Yeah. Like snaps them out of it or I don't know. Probably. Well, next time not... I see you crying at a wedding, can I slap you? Sure. You could do it. I'll probably be so pickled. Yeah. I'll be pickled enough where I won't feel it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, one thing that's kind of related to this, though, that I wanted to ask you about was what we see a lot on the internet now is people sharing other people's emotional moments through videotaping them, and mm. then it becomes a viral video. So, for example, did yeah. you see – and I don't know how I feel about that. So it depends on what it is. So, like, some right. some um, common examples would be, like, engagements. Like, right. filming your fucking engagement, which I just think is kind of cheesy. And, like, it's right. supposed to be a personal moment. That's my – How do you – is that how you feel? I do. I knew someone who, like, whatever, like, basically planned out her whole proposal and, like – 
there was a guy in the bushes like filming it and she like knew everything about it, but was like acting like so surprised for the video. And it was just like so dumb. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like, I, I agree that it should just be like between the two of you, but I do know some coworkers, um, they got engaged like at a waterfall in Hawaii and everyone filmed it. So like everyone was like, you know, airdropping it to them so that they could, and they literally got like hundreds of photos from all the strangers around, like that were just filming the engagement. At least they're airdropping it to them and they're not posting it online. Because that's kind of the thing that the other, so what got me thinking about this was, I don't know if you saw this video, somehow it wound up in my newsfeed on Facebook, Uh but there was a video that went viral recently where it was a man who was like telling his son that his mom, that the mom was dead. Whoa. And so it I was did not see filming this. that moment. And the reason the why the fuck? dad chose to do that was because he, it was supposed to be this whole thing because she died of a drug overdose. Oh, so it's supposed Jesus. to be this whole like PSA type of a thing about like, don't do drugs because your kids will fucking cry when you die. Oh my but God, dude. I was just like. I feel like he could have sold that to a company and they could have filmed a reenactment. Like that's really fucked it was, up. I think it's super fucked yeah. up. Think about wow. like, okay. Perhaps the point, perhaps your point is being made, but like, how do you think that kid's going to feel knowing that that video is out there? I don't think I would want to relive a moment where I found out a loved one of mine was dead. No way. Like over and over, relive it over and over and over again. And like, especially like a child that doesn't have the state of mind to even consent ever until they're an adult. Like that's And it comes off as disingenuous to me by the dad. Like the dad's thinking about this, like filming it and like what it means rather than like the moment of like telling your kid that their mom's dead. Yeah. It's pretty fucked. I mean, it's kind of like that stupid asshole hick couple that was like pulling pranks on their kids Yeah, and like targeting the one kid and like constantly like making him cry on camera and like pranking him so hard and it's so fucked up and like... Eventually, they got in trouble and got their kids taken away from mm-hmm. them, which, good. Yeah. And, like, they were like, it's a misunderstanding. He understands that these are for... He's a child. Right. It's still his, like, real reaction and emotion. But anyway, that's pretty shitty. I did not see that one, though. That's wild. Yeah, and the person, like, it was presented in a way that was, like, like I don't know. It was one of mm. somebody that I must be friends with mm-hmm. on Facebook. Was just like, see, yeah, this is so sad and so true. Like, blah da da. And I'm yeah. like, I hate this so yeah, that's much. It's like, also, I must add that I don't know if it's like his stepmom or something or the sister because I didn't even watch the whole video. I was too like yeah. pissed actually. <laughs> but the so the dad's talking to the kid and there's a woman that's like kind of like hugging the boy as mm. he's getting the news Jesus. and it's really fucking sad. She's smoking a cigarette. Oh my God, dude. So I'm like, WT, these people what are kind of trash. WT. Yeah. Pretty, pretty WT. Yeah. That sucks. Do you, do you have any like memorable? Crying in public? Yeah. Not really, to be honest. It's like, like the typical. Yeah. It's mostly just like, like I said, kind of like. Yeah, the typical when I'm nervous or something really tragic, like, you know, if you've kind of are mourning, like I've cried in public when Uh, I'm like mourning over something. Well, next time we cry in public, we should totally film ourselves and make a viral video. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. Full circle. Yeah, we're going to film it and make money. We're going to sell it to people. 
magazine. To like Vice or somebody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just made me think of like how angry Busy Phillips gets when she goes on peoplemag.com and it's like headline is like dead baby stories. Like she gets so angry. And it's, Rightfully so. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. If it bleeds, it leads. <laughs> or if you're fucking telling your son that his mom died, it leads. Awful. So. What made you cry this week, Del? What made me cry this week? First one is HBO dropped a series on December 21st. It's four episodes. It's called A Quinceanera Story. And it's four different stories of... Vignettes. Yeah, of five different girls' quinceanera stories. And I only have seen two of the four, but I highly recommend the series because throughout both of them, I was like bawling my eyes out. Por qué? <laughs> Por qué? The family, you know, the 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 thread that was running through the two episodes was that you know family is the most important thing in their lives. Uh. So um, it was actually produced by Tommy Matola and his wife. So yeah, like that was like the message that was really strong was like that these women and their families are so fucking strong. It follows as they navigate, you know, the complexities of coming in age. So I'm sure everybody knows, but quinceanera is the Mexican or Latin version of um, sweet 16. You know, that's like the coming of age and there's lots of different. But for 15. Yeah, but for 15. Lots of symbolic things that happen through the process. Like one of the families, you know, they traded her you know, her flat shoes and put on high heels like the mom and dad. And that's like her transitioning into womanhood. So there's different like symbolism through each one. So yeah, it follows five young girls and their families as they navigate coming of age in the U.S. from, and one of them is a trans girl. So like, you know, yeah. So grappling with gender identity to the constant fear of having a loved one deported. I read that they, when they were filming it, they weren't thinking of the political, obviously they couldn't be thinking of the political context in which they would be airing. So like the message is even more powerful today. And, you know, they really represent the rising generation of American Latinas who are helping define the future of the country. And so um, the first one that I watched was Ashley, and she's an amateur boxer from East L.A., which was really cool. Cool. And her her mother is a dreamer, and her father has been deported, so she hasn't seen him since she was little. And she's nervous about her quinceanera and her first fight because they happen, like, within days of each other. And she struggles with the reality that her coach is also undergoing deportation procedures. So wow, like he's that's the, some heavy context. So he's the father figure in her life because her real dad was deported. So she's like, it's really sweet when he reads the letter that she wrote to the court about how this man has like really stepped in to be like the, her father figure and she doesn't know what she'll do without him. And her own mother is facing deportation. And, you know, her mother, her mother's story was so amazing because her mother came from Guatemala. But anyway, the mother and her just worked so hard to put this quinceanera together. And, you know, at the end she's telling her, don't grow up too fast. And they're crying and it's just really wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then Rosie, she is she lives in Florida, and she has her quinceanera in Cuba so that her grandfather, who can't come to the States, can be a part of her quince. And so her mom is Guatemalan and came to the U.S. at eight years old and worked in the streets selling food until she was 14 years old and then started cleaning houses and then started her own house cleaning business to give her daughters all the things she didn't have. And so... It's really a really awesome celebration of like a family's struggle and their love. 
So that's what you kind of see celebrated in the films is the familial family love for each other. It's universal aspect of human life. So anyway, it's just like really, it was a really cool series and just kind of seeing how much these families mean to each other mm-hmm. and, and how hard they're willing to work to just give their daughters one special night because it might be the only special night ever for some of them. Here's the trailer. I'll play real quick. A quinceañera is not just a party. It's how I'm embracing being Hispanic, but also being an American. When Zoe first transitioned, the older trans women started to meet her. These women didn't get to celebrate that quinceañera. All of them are transgender. That's kind of my theme. This is my mom. She crossed the border. She was 16 years old. The struggle she had to pass through her life was something I can look up to. Right now, I'm training for my first official fight. Like my quinceañera, this is all I've ever wanted. Jackie and I are like sisters. We ride together and we're having our quinceañeras together. Because it's about becoming a woman. I'm spending my childhood with Jackie. When I grow up, I still want to be really close friends with her. I'm bringing back my roots with my quinceañera. This is who I am. I am Cuban, Guatemalan-American. Don't grow up too fast. Enjoy this time. So if you have HBO or can steal a password, it's really good. Yeah, you guys can have our password. It's <laughs> just kidding. I don't, I don't even have a password. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do one next? Sure, yeah. So one of the things that I saw this week that was really touching and made me cry was it's about Steve Heidegg. Heidegg? Shit, I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah. He's Hungarian. Hmm. But he's 85 years old. Uh-huh. He lives in East Hollywood. And he's a jazz drummer. Um, he came to the U.S. with his wife in 1957 after Hungarians revolted against Soviet control. And the whole story is f- amazing. Okay, so I think just reading the first part of the story will really set the tone in terms of why this made me cry. Mm. I'm just going to say Steve Heidegg. That's how I'm going to decide to pronounce his last name. Steve Heidegg moves through his small East Hollywood apartment with tiny shuffle steps as if to avoid a fall. His slacks are creased. His shirt is pressed. It doesn't cost money, he says, to hold your head high. Heidegg, almost 86, is blind in one eye and deaf in one ear. He's carried that burden since a childhood injury when he and his family took cover in the cellar of their home as bombs thundered down on Budapest. Lately, the good eye isn't so good, so he keeps a big magnifying glass handy, but Heidegg has bigger challenges than that. His rent is roughly $1,000 a month, and his social security income is about $900 a month. It's a total miracle how he exists, says one friend. The secret is disciplined austerity, occasional help from buddies, and a once-weekly job as a jazz drummer, Mm. a job that feeds Heidegg's soul. When the DWP shut off his power briefly, Heidegg borrowed a camping light from a friend. A $300 gas bill gathered dust until a buddy covered it. Hello, my angel, Heidegg called out one day to a woman who knocked at his door and delivered a tray of food from St. Vincent Meals on Wheels. Mm -mm. Sometimes that's his only food in a day. Jeez. So it goes on, and it's just (sighs) actually, even though it sounds quite sad at the beginning, it's the most heartwarming, amazing story with beautiful black and white photos that go along with the story. And it's all about this 86-year-old man who is... 
it's a love story about his love for drumming and jazz drumming. And so he, even though he's getting by, like he's super happy. He plays drums once a week at, uh, this um, calendars grill, which is dude, that's high, Marie Calendars. Yeah, it's a high end Marie Calendars. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I've probably seen him. I love that high end Marie. So calendars. I guess they have yeah, they have like <laughs> jazz a couple nights a week, and so he plays jazz there. Can we go? We should totally go. Ah, I love that. Yeah, so he plays drums there, and he also does like every Saturday he does like a music workshop with his buddies. Like all these old men get together and they that's just jam, so you know. Yeah. And he um, he lives alone. Like his his wife passed away really young age. Oh. He chose the musician's life and has no regrets. And his one message for others is that doing something you love will serve you well. Don't hesitate to ask friends for help if you need it. I love him. <laughs> when you when you read these things, because I always like read and cry. Are you at work or are you at home? This one I was at home when mm. I saw it. Yeah. Because I, I actually like saw it and then bookmarked it to read it later. Oh, nice. And yeah. I read it later. But there's also a video component. So I'll just play okay. this video component. Cool. Came here to this country with nothing. And I still don't have nothing. Except I had a wonderful time the last 60 years. I uh, live alone. And I don't have a family, but I'm not lonely because I have friends and I have God, I have my drums and everything else. When I go there, I'm driving there, I find myself smiling. I'm going somewhere that I am totally free and enjoy what I'm doing. And that makes me want to live forever. Well, hello. Hey, here's okay? Yes, there. All right. Thank you so, for the food. Mills on Wheels, I became the participant of the program after I had my uh, bladder cancer injury. They do not charge me anything for the meal. Now, the problem is, of course, the evenings and in the mornings, because I still have to feed myself for dinner and also for breakfast. So I have to spend my own money, which I don't have. And because my rent is $1,000, that's too high to become eligible for the food stamp. I shouldn't be in this position that I am in this rich country, but I take it that I love America and I love the music of America. They ask us, where do you want to go? And I always wanted to be an American jazz drummer when I was back in Budapest. So I said, I want to be American jazz drummer. And we came with a military uh, transport plane into Camp Kilmer, which was in New Brunswick, New Jersey. And the military musicians, they came and played with us. So my first American band was in Camp Kilmer when we were refugees. Jazz. Music is a a freedom of expression. So sweet. I love it. I know. And so the the really cool thing about this story, because, you know, it went out, it was written by Steve Lopez for the LA Times Mm -hmm. in August 2017, as I said. But since then, like right after that, a reader created a GoFundMe 
And their goal was to just have $10,000 for him to sort of help him get by. Yeah, yeah. He's, you know, because mm-hmm. he's actually losing his sight. He has a lot of health problems, yeah. obviously. And their target was $10,000, but as of today, it has almost $24,000 for him. I love that. Super sweet. There's lots of really good LA Times comprehensive, like... Human interest pieces. Yeah. And I read them, and I feel like I always read them at work. Don't tell. And then I, like, start crying at work, and then I have to, like, keep it together and, like... I don't... I hate thinking that someone at work thinks I'm crying about work. I'm like... Just this article. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Yeah, and actually with this story, like, it wasn't even the article that made me super teary-eyed. Right. It was actually more so the GoFundMe, the oh, description, yeah. because I just thought it was so cool that a reader, like, took it upon himself. Sure. He must be a drummer himself, the guy mm. that created this, but it was sweet. He said, he, and he said, plays little gigs in L.A., dressed to the nines, smile on his face, not one to complain. I can't do this justice. Please read Steve Lopez's article uh, and watch the video. And then... I love it. And he got $24,000. So rad. Yeah, super sweet. That's cool. What, what was your other thing? Oh, have you watched any or heard of... It's based on a book, but 13 Reasons Why... Have you seen that at all? Yeah. Okay. But here's the deal. So I've, because I mean, you know that I love anything that's teen, so oh, okay. I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I watched every single episode except for the last episode. What? <laughs> that's really funny because, so I watched and it. And I sobbed the whole time I watched that show. It's that's, fucked up. That's really funny because it took me forever to watch it because of the net. Flix curse of taking forever to set up a story. So, like, I feel like it didn't pay off until, like, the last episode. And then it totally paid off. Damn it. I need to watch it. So, like, throughout the whole series, I'm like, oh, fuck this girl. I'm so glad she killed herself. Like, she's (laughs) such a complainer. Like, why didn't she just do something or say something? If you've never never watched a show or know what the fuck we're talking about, 13 Reasons Why is basically, like, this, the the main plot line is this boy who, you know, sort of, like, is, like, obsessed in love with this girl Mm -hmm. who, at the beginning, we know she's dead. She kills herself. She's committed suicide. Right. he gets these tapes. A box of tapes. A box of tapes. She recorded these like... 13 reasons. 13 reasons why she killed herself and each episode is a different reason and it has to do with the other kids at the school. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a little bit of a... Almost like even though you know how she was... Right. Died. Right. It's almost like a mystery, knowing like what was the main reason. Well, I feel like that's anytime anyone commits suicide. It's like, why did they do yeah. it? Like, what happened that put them in this such desperate, desolate place to make someone do that? Like, how could you? So anyway, and we don't. I think we don't know how she does it, or maybe we do. Well, I don't know. Anyway. That's why I've been scared to watch the last. Episode. Okay, so I won't talk about that part. But anyway, like the whole time I was just like, uh, these like high school kids are so indulgent. And like, I hated it, but I couldn't stop watching it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I loved it. I'm like, I have to know, like, and like the fucking Wilder Valderrama looking guy, like his whole, I was just like over him. Oh, the gay kid? Yeah. Like yeah. I was just like over him and like, Whatever. I was over the oh, whole he was series. like a greaser. He's yeah, like yeah, fucking yeah. wearing like but a like, jean jacket. He and, like fixes cars. And like he knows everything about her and what happened, but he won't tell anyone. Like oh, yeah. it's just so obnoxious. Uh-huh. Anyway, but I did it. I like finally like over Christmas break, I was like, I'm gonna fucking finish this. So I watched like the last three episodes and then it got so good and I'm not gonna ruin it, but like it was really intense and the whole last episode I was 
bawling. Like the rest of the series, I was making fun and laughing. And then the last episode, just bawling, bawling. And, you know, it's a really great look at what high school kids are dealing with now. You know, you and I, we went to school and if we were bullied, it stopped when you left school. But now it's 24-7 because of social Social media. media. And like, you know, kids now, they go to school and they have their school life and then they come home. And they have the social media life. Like, they don't interact with each other after school as much as we would have. It's You mean all, interacting <clears throat> in person after school? Right. It's yeah. all social media now. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and and everything is there for everyone else to see. I can't see. even imagine the FOMO that would happen I know, for me. I know. So, like, bullying goes home with you. And, like, one event can forever define who you are. Um, not that that's ever been any different, but especially now. The part that really made me cry is the main character, Clay, who's the boy who's in love with her. He says this line and it just like, that's where I lost it. And, you know, he just says, it has to get better. The way we treat each other and look out for each other, it has to get better somehow. And I just feel like that's like universal everywhere. Like the way we treat each other in person and online, like it's not, it's not good guys. Mm -hmm. So, um, and then, you know, it was just so sad throughout the series too, I guess, just watching her parents and the reaction of her parents in the last episode was just so tragic and so sad. And I feel like that's what kept me as a teenager, you know, I don't know about you, but like when I was a teenager, like I think every teenager has suicidal thoughts of some, some sort. And just whenever I would let myself go there, as a deep emo teen, like that's what always would stop me from taking it further was like the thought of how will my parents react? How will they live? And like just imagining what their life would be like, you know, post. Yeah, or anyone. Yeah. That. So like that was just really heartbreaking. And, you know, they're just really trying to change that series was or the book, just really trying to like change the narrative for teen girls and educating kids on consent. Like, what does it mean? Right. And so I didn't know there's some assault things right. that happen. Yeah. So it's really like that could be triggering, super triggering for anyone who's ever had anything happen to them. But I didn't know this, but Selena Gomez was an executive producer. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that either. So like she, she actually does some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, she wanted to, you know, take on the bullying and stuff and the mm-hmm. aspect or like really highlight. And there's a, there's a companion piece to the series. That's like a half hour thing, like beyond the 13 reasons where they really like the producers and the directors and psychologists like really break down everything that's happened in the series and what they were trying to do to like help teens today. And it's just, it was really beautiful and amazing. And I didn't think I was going to get there because I know everyone else thinks it's like such an amazing series. And I was just like, I don't get it. But the final episode really like. Okay. I need to watch it. Then, yeah. The final episode. Finish it. Yeah. It's dude. been like a year because I watched it oh, like when wow. it first came out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. Yeah. I feel like it took me a year to finish. Because I'm never like, <laughs> let me sit down and watch a suicide. Like right. I don't. Yeah, it's yes. not anything you're like jazzed to do. No, <laughs> it was like when I same with. There's like a couple things like that, like that movie Precious. Oh yeah, I could never watch that ever that again. One, I had to like really yeah kind of pump myself up and get ready to watch it. You right, know, just knowing what I was getting into. Yeah, yeah. But on a happy, <laughs> happier cry thingy, uh, the other thing that I really loved this week that made me cry was. This really sweet story that 
aired on CNN, I believe. I saw it online. It was CNN produced. Fake news. Yeah, fake news. <laughs> so this is completely fake. Um, it's a sci-fi fantasy um, story. No, but it's about a couple. It's a love story, and it's about a couple, and they both have Down syndrome. Oh. Their names are John and Marissa, and it's so sweet. They met, they both met at, they're like probably, I'm going to guess around, I can't remember if it says their actual age, but I'm going to guess around like 18 or 19, 20-ish, okay. yeah. around that age. And the girl lives in the Bay Area and the boy lives in Fresno. And But they still get together. Their parents drive them to Aww. get together like a couple times a month. That's so sweet. And it's so sweet and just like... So pure, yeah. you know? Wait, where did you see this? Or CNN? CNN. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the nice thing about it is, well, it's just interesting, like, how they navigate that type of relationship and how their parents navigate it. Yeah. And it also talked a lot about this really cool program that John is in called Wayfinders, and it's at Fresno State, and it's a program for them mm-hmm. that's, like, you know, a college program. Oh, cool. And through that program, it also helps them, like with a job and also oh, helps them to be able to like be self-sufficient and uh-huh. pay rent. So he like has oh, his own apartment cool. and stuff. And it was really sweet. I have an uncle who has down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So I'm always like, it's, you know, yeah. kind of personal to me. Yeah, and- yeah. No matter what happens between Marissa and John, I'm going to support her 100%. If John ends up being the guy for her, <laughs> great. We'll go for that. It's not my life. It's Marissa's life. And I just help her facilitate what she wants to do. Being in love is so peaceful, lovely. Sometimes I do get butterflies into my stomach sometimes. They just know that it feels good and love should feel good. It doesn't matter whether they, they truly get what it means, but the essence of it is that it feels good. And if it feels good, then they're in love, yes. I know he has Down syndrome, but I don't like to define him that way. And I don't want he and Marissa to be defined that way necessarily either, because they're both great people. What I want people to know about people who have Down syndrome is they want the same thing as everybody else, and they're totally capable of being in a loving, caring relationship, and they thrive. Love is love. Love you are, love is love. I don't even need more details than that. Oh my god. That's so sweet. I really loved what his mom said, or her mom is like, she just wants to help. Like, it's her life, it's Marissa's life. And she she's just, wants just f- helping her facilitate, facilitate it. Because yeah. that's, that's amazing. Because know, I've known so many parents of people with intellectual disabilities who do not do that at all, and they get treated. Like babies. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cute. I know. And she talks to them even about like uh, PDAs, you know, and how there's still like a stigma connected, obviously. Right. (laughs) Like people would probably stare at a couple that's at the movies together and they're like canoodling or whatever. So she kind of talks to her about what's appropriate and not appropriate, but let's ultimately lets her kind of like be the one in the driver's seat, which I love. I love that. And they're so sweet. It's just like... It's, like, so just, like, pure joy. And I feel like it's, like, 
love without complications. Right. Like, it's just, like, it's purest essence. Exactly. That's so sweet. It's almost like what we all want to I know. Like, we we're aspire? all striving for, but. Yeah. Without, <laughs> exactly. Without, it's like, you would think that, you know, having Down syndrome would bring a lot of complications to a relationship, mm-hmm. but it. The way yeah. it's portrayed is like the most uncomplicated yeah. relationship. Aww. It's so sweet. I, I love, love it. them. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. And now to take a deeper dip <laughs> into <laughs> our video of the week. Dun, 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 dun. Lightning <laughs> I didn't remember. We never started. like uh, Del and I are the worst at transitioning to our emo song next. of the week. Uh, yeah, this is where this is the time where we talk about a song that can be described as an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, and we've chosen uh, live this week. Crashes. Yeah, yeah. So let's kick it to the song real quick. I didn't realize until five minutes ago that this song is that old, that it came out in 1994. It doesn't look that old, right? I feel like... And it doesn't sound that old. It doesn't old. feel... I feel that's like... that's like coming out of the 80s. Yeah, I feel like... Yeah, right. That's I, not even considered mid-90s yet. I feel kind of, like... I guess. I thought it came out in like 98 or something, but no, it was a lot earlier. So that was like a surprise because I don't remember it being in the same era as like my deep grunge time, but I guess it was. And it, yeah, made it into our lives. From the album <laughs> Throwing Copper. Throwing Copper. Um, I love the opening. Like I love the riff. It's, it's so, so pretty. Good. It's yeah, I'm so always like, pretty. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like yeah, like just its prettiness. But you know, it's not pretty. Teary. Is who? the who? Lo- <laughs> no, it's it's a, not a who. I would say my husband actually called this. He was like, "It's the most. It's the grossest line in a song." What is it? Her placenta falls to the floor, like. Because why are, like, isn't somebody supposed to catch that for you? Yeah, it seems a little dramatic. So if you haven't seen the video, you can go to our website. Then who are you? And cry. Yeah. Or, or you can go to YouTube. <laughs> right. But like, how about go to cryingamazycrazy.com yeah, and get better. an exclusive look at this YouTube video. <laughs> exclusive. Um, but basically it's go, it's like very adjacent to the lyrics of the song. It's yeah. like a woman giving birth mm-hmm. and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And people dying, people dying. Presumably the, the woman is dying in yeah. childbirth, but I know that wasn't his original intention. Yeah. So Ed Kowalczyk is how I think you say it. I don't have the exact quote, but he was like, I'm just going to do it as Jerry Seinfeld. Nobody's dying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Nobody's dying in the act of childbirth as the video portrays, but rather he wanted it to be like a birth, a death and birthing cycle kind of portrayed. Right, transference kind of. Yeah. Because he, in the song, it's like an old mother dies. Right. And then the baby's born. Yeah. 
down the hall. So I think they wanted it originally to be like in a hospital, but then it was shot like in this house and it with a bald angel. Yeah, that's kind of creepy. Like powder. Do you remember yeah. powder? <laughs> so powder is heavily <laughs> featured in this video, and also some cats and like books all over the ground yeah. and like. Just like a dirty place. Like, why are you having a child in this old dirty house, lady? Um, And it was directed by what we've said in a previous episode, our buddy Jake Scott, Ridley Scott's son, who also did the R.E.M. Everybody Hurts video. That is right. So, yeah, I mean, the video is pretty simple. It's cool. It's actually really cool. I think that guy does awesome music videos. Yeah, I feel like all his videos, too, like if I'm in the right mood or if I need to cry, if I just like watched it and let my mind go there, I could. they would easily bring on the tears for me. Yeah, I watched this like after watching, after watching something that I didn't mention that made me cry this week was a, did you see that little boy that was singing the song from Coco like to no. his late sister? Oh, no, I did not. Yeah, it, it was really sweet. Include that in the guide just yeah, for those of I'll us that need to see it. I'll include it in the guide. Maybe I'll play it right now to make everyone yeah. cry. crying over the sweet yeah so but anyways in regards to the lyrics of lightning crashes Mm -hmm. i guess they dedicated the song did you see this they dedicated the song to barbara lewis it's one of their high school friends who Mm -hmm. was killed by a drunk driver around the time the song was written yeah and she was an organ donor right so her life begat Live, saving lives of many. The transference of energy right. and life, yeah. So, like, yeah, the song and the video was meant to kind of portray that action, which is really beautiful. And, like, the blue... What's the blue... The eye, the blue eyes line? The angel opens her eyes. <laughs> no, it's pale, pale blue colored eyes. <laughs> so the pale blue colored eyes was Barb, because she had beautiful Barb. blue eyes. Barb's blue colored eyes. <laughs> Barbara Lewis. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so that's really beautiful. Yeah, um, that's a really sweet way. And then I guess during, you know, because 1994 is when the song came out. So when they were playing it live, because <laughs> they're live in 1998 after Columbine, they dedicated it to those students from Columbine, which is like crazy in a time. But yeah, oh my feeling. Coming back again Like Like a rolling Thunder Chasing the wind I feel like that was like a 90s Like dramatic Well, yeah, dramatic singing Yeah, very 90s Like like after Alanis (laughs) Which, oh, this is a similarity That I wanted to mention So remember how So Alanis had, or Alanis, you say Alanis, I say Alanis. Yeah, Alanis, Alanis. You say Alanis, I say Alanis. Alanis, Alanis, Alanis. Let's call the whole thing off. Yes. (laughs) Anyhow, so Glenn Ballard helped her write Mm, Everything. You Ought to Know. Yeah. He also worked with Ed 
Kowalczyk. Whatever. He also worked with the singer of Eddie, the singer of, oh, not to be confused with Eddie Vedder. Not at all. Glenn Ballard also worked with Ed, the singer of Live, on his solo albums. Oh, so I didn't anyways, even know he had solo it's albums. It's like third degree of separation. It's like Ray of crying amazing. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> it's all blurring together. Another fun fact about the singer of Live, our friend Ed, um, besides his really great little fucking. Braid and his, his rat tail. His rat tail. <laughs> his giant rat tail. Gross. I wish he still had I know. it. I wish I still knew what he was like, up to today. Do you think it has like the baby hair at the bottom? It, Did oh. you ever you know how that was a thing, right? No. What? What are you talking about? Baby hair. So at the like at my high school, I don't know if this was like a cultural thing or what, uh-huh. but there were some kids that would have the rat tails and like the bottom, they'd been mm-hmm. growing it since they were like a toddler or a baby or whatever. So, like, the bottom of their hair was their fucking baby hair. That's. And that was like the weird. reason why. What culture was that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's I, fucking weird. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there was a couple of Mexican kids at my school that did that. But maybe it wasn't. I don't think it was a Mexican thing. I, I don't know that just, tradition at all, but who knows? <laughs> Ask your dad. Rat <laughs> dad, did you have a rat tail <laughs> with baby hairs? Okay. Anyhow, our buddy Ed with the rat tail, he was in, <laughs> he had one acting moment. Yes. Okay, you saw that. I did. Yeah. Um, if you guys don't remember, he was in Fight Club. Mm-hmm. He was the waiter with Ed Norton and Helena Bonham Carter. Yeah. I do remember like when that movie came out, I was like, oh my God. Like freaking out and like thinking that he transitioned to an actor, but like that, that was, was his only that role. Was, he fucking sucked. I don't know. <laughs> what is that guy up to now? We gotta Google. Well, Ed. he was in the band for a while and then he left because there was some kind of drama. I think he wanted to get paid more and they tried to sue him. It was all Whoa. gnarly. And then he came back to the band just barely in 2016. So, oh, I feel like if we get really big and there's money involved, like let's just not sue each other. <laughs> Pray up. <laughs> Deal. You guys heard it here first. We're not going to sue each other ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll probably get sued by this dude for talking about his rat tail. <laughs> for all these songs we're using, we're going to get sued. And all these clips we're ripping off. Um. Uh, jinx. One, two, three, drinks. We're safe. Yeah, we're safe. Now. Yeah. Um, cool. So that's... um. That's it. That's us. Number seven. Lucky number seven. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, catch you next time. Thanks for listening and keep crying. Keep crying. Pale blue colored eyes. Oh, I feel it coming back again. Every time we hear one of those, Edgar is like, Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder. And I'm like, no, Eddie was the first. He was the first. (laughs) Uh.